0: To the South, Part 2 Written by Marie Brennan Read by David Gordon Beresh (music) Given the reputation of the Shinnaman Mori, Shinjo Tatsuo was almost prepared to believe the sight in front of him was an illusion crafted by some trickster spirit. At least two dozen crab clan Ashigaru were hard at work felling timber, supervised by a hatchet-faced samurai with a loose roll of papers under his arm. They'd been at work for some time, judging by the pile of logs laid to one side, and they hadn't wasted any of the branches either. The excess had been transformed into a tidy palisade of fire-hardened stakes. It was a logging expedition, clearly. But what was it doing in this ancient forest? The Haruma scout leading them into the camp wasn't very talkative. She'd attached a group of their own Ashigaro to watch over his, then led Tetsuo and Rame to her commander, who had set aside his papers as they approached. Good and so, son, the scout said with a brief bow. These unicorn were scouting our camp. "'We were investigating the smoke,' Tetsuo corrected her. "'I am Shinjo Tetsuo, Gunso of the Shinamin Wayfinders, and this is Ayuchi Ramei. "'We've been pursuing a creature that was sighted outside a unicorn village to the north, "'and thought that whoever was here might be able to offer assistance.' "'He was in charge of their patrol, but Rame was responsible for handling spiritual matters, and she broke in. "'What are your people doing here, anyway? Logging in the Shinamin Mori? "'Do you have any idea what spirits you might anger?' Do you have any way of controlling them? From behind them came another voice, touched with both humor and annoyance. <laughs> that would be my job. Tatsuo turned to find a second man approaching. He wore no armor, but his hakama and tied-back sleeves had none of the usual formality of a Shigenja's robes, either. If it weren't for these unsettling face paint, white with red lines, Tatsuo would never have identified him as a kuni. The newcomer eyed Tetsuo and Ramei and said, Shinamin Wayfinders... I thought you unicorn preferred the open plains. Our duties do not always take us where we prefer, Tatsuo said stiffly, turning back to the commander. Please forgive Rimei's blunt way of asking, but the question stands. I'm glad to see a Shigenja with your group, but there are a great many dangers in this forest, and cutting down trees is a quick way to wake them. The commander looked unmoved. We know the risks, but as you say, our duties don't always take us where we want. Heki is taking care to appease the spirits of the trees before we cut them. That must be the kuni's name. Aren't there trees in your own lands? None that fit our needs, he said. I am Kaiushuichi, an engineer of the Twelfth Tower Command. We need large beams to conduct repairs on the northern end of the carpenter wall, and there is nothing suitable closer to hand. We have imperial permission to log here. No wonder the camp was so well constructed with a Kayu engineer in charge. But Tatsuo had a feeling it wasn't just normal crab paranoia that made them take such precautions. A feeling that grew stronger when Shiichi spoke again. This creature you're chasing, what is it? He asked as if he already had an answer in mind. And given Rimei's suspicions, Tatsuo couldn't see any good reason to hold back. Courtiers might treat information like treasure, to be hoarded and spent with care. And here in the hinterlands of the Empire, he preferred to reach out with the hand of an alliance. We don't know, he admitted. It's large, and it leaves a broad, flat trail. And it's fast. We... the possibility has occurred to us that it might be something from... further south. He couldn't quite bring himself to say, tainted. Impossible, Shiuchi said without hesitation. For Tetsuo could ride it off as arrogance, he added... We have Kagoe scouting the vicinity constantly, and Heki alert for any sign of the Shadowlands taint. Do you have seen something? Tetsuo said. Shuichi glanced past him at the Haruma scout. Kagoe. presumably. She said, Seen? No. However, several of our laborers have gone missing. Mostly without a trace, but in one spot I found a brief track of something like what you're describing. How long ago? Six days. There was no way the creature Tatsu I had been chasing could have been here six days ago. This trail wasn't that old. Which meant there was more than one. What do you mean, a brief track? I don't mean that I lost it, she said evenly. I mean that it stopped. Hecky he doesn't know anything that flies and leaves a track like that. Do you? No, Reme admitted. We are following our trail not far from here. We only diverted because we saw the smoke from your fire. If we go back and pursue that, we might find the source of both our problem and yours. That was optimistic of her, given their failure to chase the thing down yet, but Tetsuo was even less willing than before to give up. He gazed past the palisade into the forest. He was sure it held the answers. If he was willing to risk getting them... He had already led his patrol far beyond the boundaries of his duty. It was possible that not one but two clans were at risk from this unknown threat. Kaiusan, san he said, Obviously, you have to devote most of your effort to protecting this camp, which means you can't spare much for exploring the nearby forests. But we've come all this way to investigate and are more familiar with the hazards of the Shinamin Mori than your own people. I will leave my patrol on a circuit through the area, and if we find anything... We will share it with you before we return north. Gunso-san, Rimei stared at him. Her abrupt shift to formality showed how much the suggestion alarmed her. It was one thing to ride south, but to go deeper into the forest. Tetsuo shook his head. Not you. Kaiusan is willing I would have you remain here in his camp until we return. Or until it was clear that they wouldn't. Her expression was mutinous. How do you expect to deal with a spirit if you have no Shigenja with you? I have no intention of engaging with it at all. We will scout, only. He knew as well as she did that plans like that rarely worked out, but he wasn't going to be responsible for losing her to the forest. Kuniheki intervened. If you stay here, Ayuchi-san, we might be able to work together and learn more from the spirits. If your intention is to scout Shinjo-sama, he turned to his own commander. Could we lend him Kagoe-san? Tatsuo couldn't deny she would be useful, given how effectively she crept up on him. He bowed to Shuichi. The reputation of the Haruma is well known in the Unicorn Lands. I would be grateful for the assistance. Shuichi nodded. Find me what's causing this, and find a solution. He only had the authority to command Kagoe, but he seemed to be addressing both scouts indiscriminately. We can't afford to lose any more people or time. Tatsu had to admit that Haruma Kagoe was far more at home in the forest than he was. There were trees in the Unicorn Lands, of course, and he'd been in and out of the fringes of the Shinamin Mori for years. But his ancestors made their home on the plains, and he never felt comfortable being hemmed in like this. She didn't know nearly as much about the Shinamin as he did, though. There aren't a lot of friendly things where I usually patrol, she admitted after she nearly shot a rabbit spirit. It faded away an instant before her arrow would have struck. We're trained to assume anything we see is probably dangerous. Wayfinders learn the same thing, Tetsuo said, but we generally try to avoid confrontation. And the Shinamin, dangerous and needs to be killed, aren't always the same thing. Most creatures in the forest will leave you alone if you don't trouble them. When we find this thing, Kagoi said darkly, I'm not giving it the benefit of the doubt. He couldn't blame her. But it would be a moot point if they couldn't find the creature. Or creatures, however many of them there were. Kagoe was the one who had figured it out in the end, proving his sensei's admonition once more. Stopping Tetsuo with one outstretched hand, she breathed a few words, almost too quiet to hear. I think they moved through the trees. Once he looked for it, he saw it too. Fallen leaves and twigs on the ground, and up above, Branches stripped suspiciously bare. It could have been Hibagon, the reclusive ape-men that haunted the forest, but they swung by their arms and wouldn't leave this kind of damage. Without a word he knocked an arrow to his bow. Kagoe did the same. Not long after they heard a sound up ahead. Not the chattering of animals or their spirit kin, and not the weeping of some creature in the form of a woman or a baby, hoping to lure the unwary to their doom. Two different sounds, alternating with one another, like voices in conversation, but the cadence of it was nothing like Rokugani. He and Kagoe separated so that if one of them were spotted the other could attack or escape. And then, placing one careful foot at a time, Tetsuo crept forward. The voices were coming from a small dell with a quiet, shadowed pool at the center. Two tall boulders stood alongside the pool, narrow outcroppings from some larger mass of stone below. One of the boulders moved, not stone. A creature, two of them, each easily fifteen feet in length, rearing up from their long tails. They were speaking in a hissing liquid language, like nothing Tatsuo had heard before. Perhaps his nerve failed him at this crucial moment faced with a pair of giant serpent creatures that his mind screamed must have come straight out of the Shadowlands. Tetsuo didn't think he'd made a sound, but one of them stopped talking turned to look directly at him.